0: Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? participate in live interactive chat 24 7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media stop by now and join in on the fun
1: Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
2: Boom. This is Bill Murphy of
0: Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files. And you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
3: Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost
0: host, Sophia, on com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're, you're listening, listening to ghost host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry.
3: And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with at? Sophia Temporelli
0: and weekly Paranormal. Weekly. Weekly at liveparanormal.com.
2: <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal,
0: and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on liveparanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Timberelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Timberelli on LiveParanormal.com.
1: This is author Alexandra Holzer. And you're listening to ghost host, Sophia Temporelli.
0: Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30-odd minutes, founder of ghostvillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books. And you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on liveparanormal.com. Boo! Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary and Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, an executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com.
1: This is April the Psychic Housewife in New Jersey, featured on the travel channels, The Holes of Files. I just wanted to wish my very dear friend, Sophia Temporelli, a very happy 11-year anniversary right here
0: on Live Paranormal.
1: Congratulations, Sophia! I love you, and I'm
0: so proud of you.
3: That's right; it's the Ghost so Host show with Sophia Temperley on LiveParanormal dot And congratulations, yes, Sophia, on 11 years of broadcasting here on the network. And thank you, Rob Cirk, for providing this format each and every week, and all of our moderators. Thank you guys for patching us through it live internet at, at live locations. We had no internet. Thank you guys so much for your help over the years. Feel free to call into the show, at 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316 as well. Feel free to jump into the LifeParanormal.com chat room. Uh, we'll be posting our guest links in the chat room along the way, and hope everybody's keeping safe out there. Today, we welcome Ed and Lorraine Warren, Foundation Director, PERS Investigation Team Founder. Intuitive and empath Bill Slevin. Everyone visit PERSFL.com, standing for Florida, of course. So PERSFL.com. Facebook, Bill Slevin FL. Peers FL, also too on Facebook. Instagram and TikTok at Paranormal Existence. Twitter at Peers Team FL. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Coming up, we have, uh, just so everybody's reminded, we have a best-of show next weekend. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody, in advance. And uh, so we'll have best-of show playing. And immediately following, uh, we have televised haunted hotels, paranormal historian, author, and broadcaster, Sam Baltrusis will be on the program on December 10th. We have other people booking their guest spot dates, too. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. And also, too, um, now on ghosthunting.com. So welcome to the audience uh, there at ghosthunting.com. And so also like uh, the group pages for both sites, check out the membership packages. They start as low as uh, $2.99 a month, and Rob Sarek, yeah, Site Founder, he's great at rewarding everybody with uh, DVDs, uh, autographed books by some of your favorite paranormal authors, all for the members here on uh, Live Paranormal and And also support the vendors, too. So if you're getting a uh, grandma, a mail meter for Christmas, make sure you do it right here on LiveParanormal.com. Starting tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, Beyond the Screen and Ghost White Radio, as well as monthly Mondays right here, Chip Coffee. A&E's Paranormal State, Psychic Kids, and now uh, going into a new season of Kindred Spirits coming up uh, right here on Live Paranormal. If you miss anything, uh, archive shows, they're available as free MP4 iTunes downloads on the homepage of the original liveparanormal.com. And let's bring on the host here, Sophia, congratulations on 11 years of broadcasting here.
1: Thank you. I can't believe it's already been 11 years.
3: Yeah, and, you, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there coming up, and I know your cousins are just getting here, and uh, you got little Peyton and Lily, you got uh, DJ and Kimmy, everybody's out, and how excited are you?
1: Well, Lily's my arch-nemesis. Um, every time I try and talk to her on the phone, she ignores me, so feel great about that.
3: That would be Lily.
1: <laughs> Lily's four, by the way, <laughs> everyone wondering.
3: Yeah. She likes seeing you in person. But that's pretty cool also, too. Yesterday, the start of Destination Fear on Travel Channel and Dis, uh, Discovery+. Plus, they, The cast, Dakota, Chelsea, they retweeted your tweet yesterday of uh, last week's interview that you had with them. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Destination Fear cast is always so fun to get to talk with. And, um, yeah, it's exciting that there's going to be another new season of Destination Fear.
3: Yeah, your archive show is going a little viral over there at the uh, Destination Fear Center on Twitter. And uh, but you got all these sites. You got a Twitter. You got the Instagram. All these different things. Where can people find you?
1: I'm on Instagram at Speed Temporelli, but I literally am terrible at posting. And Twitter just at Speed Temporelli with one L.
3: Right. We cursed you have a long name. Just drop one of the L's in Temporelli, and people can find you. Got new stuff over at the. Uh, YouTube, uh, some stuff up there on your uh, ghost host, Sophia Temporelli. Tell us about your guest today.
1: Today we welcome Ed Lorraine Warren, Foundation Director, the Paranormal Existence Research Society Investigation Team Founder, Intuitive and Impact, Bill Slevin. Bill has investigated the paranormal field for over 30 years and worked on over 500 residential cases in New Jersey and Florida. Everyone visit persfl.com, Facebook. Sorry, Bill Slevin, F-L-C-E-R-S-F-L, Instagram, TikTok, at Paranormal Existence, Twitter, at Perstein F-L. Let's welcome Bill into the show.
3: All right, Bill, welcome to the show today.
2: Hey, thank you. How are you doing? Hey, Bill, thank you so much
1: for coming on today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: So, Bill, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about what initially got you interested in the field of the paranormal and how you ultimately became an investigator?
2: Well, when I was young, um, I was always into paranormal, horror. Nothing scared me when I was little. I was more interested in it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, little by little, back then it was different. There was no TV shows. It wasn't talked about. So it was kind of tough back then. I went and, you know, went to the library, learned as much as I could here and there, and I noticed that I had some abilities that I didn't know what they were. I never knew until I was a little older that I actually had empath abilities. You know, I'd be the the person who went to the the family party, and I could just feel the emotions and, and weird, you know, strange, like, energy from people. But as a young kid and, and, you know, again, not being out in the open with all this, I didn't know what it was. So it kind of made me a little more like trying to learn what it was, what was going on. And when I watched a movie or I saw something, um, you know, that was related to paranormal, I, I didn't, I wasn't scared by it. I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to know, was that real? You know, were the things I was feeling, were they real? And it kind of helped me little by little study about it. and and learn a little more. Um, Obviously, when I got a little older, I was able to, you know, like around high school time, I was able to uh, meet some people that were also into it, uh, that I was able to go out and start learning how to investigate. Um, We didn't have all of this equipment that we have now back then, uh, but I'm also in the IT field, so equipment and, and technology always interested me. So it's kind of some of my own experiences I had, too. Again, just made me want to know more about it.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's incredible when you just have those experiences at such a young age, especially with you trying to figure out your abilities. Um, What was that like for you, you know, doing the research and trying to understand, you know, what was going on with you as an intuitive and an empath? Um, What was kind of your process in learning to develop your abilities and understand them properly?
2: Well, it wasn't until probably more toward again, more toward high school, that I started mm-hmm. to realize what I had. I just knew something was weird, <laughs> something wasn't right um, and again it was it was very hard back then because nobody talked about this, you know, even like with my family and stuff. If I went and told them, "Hey, I think I have some kind of strange ability, and they would have probably locked me up, <laughs> you know um. Anything, even people back then who thought they were haunted, they didn't talk about it. So, like, for Mm -hmm. me, I just kind of went and found any books I could. I I read everything I could. I tried to find anybody I knew or anybody I could find that was into this to try to learn a little more, you know, and uh, give me somebody who I could talk to that can help me understand what I was dealing with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, was there like a meditation or anything that helped you um, with that? Because I know a lot of people who listen, you know, are also going through similar things. And uh, with the Internet and stuff, you know, it's so much easier to, like you said, back when this is going on for you, it was so much harder to get that information. Right. But I think, you know, with each specific person, you know, there's so many different things that really help people zone in. Do you have uh, that certain thing that kind of helps you zone in?
2: Um, no, I'm learning, uh, you know, it's funny. I was never big into meditation. I didn't know a lot about it back then mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm learning a lot more about it now. Um, but back then, not really because I, I didn't know much about it and I couldn't find anybody that really, you know, meditated or, or had these kind of experiences at first. So, I mean, now I don't have anything specific. I'm uh, like I said, honestly, I'm building on the meditation now. Uh, I was never, I had trouble focusing like that, so meditation was a little yeah. tough for me. But I'm starting, I'm starting to get it, get it now a little bit.
1: Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, I would definitely say I'm. A- <laughs> sensitive and not a psychic, but, you know, even if I wanted to try right. and, like, develop my abilities, I'm an overthinker, so meditating for me would literally <laughs> be sitting there in silence thinking about 20 different things that have nothing to do with what I'm currently doing, <laughs> so I understand <laughs> That's that. That's exactly, kind of focus.
2: right, exactly my issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I see people do that, and they're like, it's really calming. And I'm thinking that would probably be the least calming thing for me. So it's it's just interesting to hear, you know, how different people are able to process it because there are so many psychics and empaths that do use meditation. But then there's people like us where that's a little bit more difficult.
2: I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> but it is difficult. Yeah.
1: So – I mean, besides you being an investigator and developing your abilities, you also are the foundation director for the Edna Warren Foundation. Um, can you tell us, you know, how that kind of initially came about for you?
2: Yeah, let me let me just correct one thing on there. I'm not the foundation director. Mm-hmm. I'm the director for the Southeast U.S. The regional director for the Southeast mm-hmm. U.S. So. Um, The the Warren Foundation was created by Chris McKennell, who's the grandson of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and he investigated with them since he was 16. So him and Lorraine created this foundation before she passed away to kind of carry on their legacy and bridge together um, investigators that are really focused on helping people and putting them together across the U.S. and across the whole, you know, world so that we could help more people, you know, and I, I wound up getting in touch with Chris and explaining to him that I was actually trying to do the same thing myself because I had, I get so many cases that I can't keep up with them. And when people contact us and they're in California and they're, you know, we're based out of Florida right now and they're all over the place and I feel bad because I want to help them and I can't help them. I can't always get out there. So I don't want to just pass them on, you know, to people that I don't know and I don't trust. So I was Mm -hmm. always looking for other teams to bridge together like this. And when I talked to Chris, I knew this was, you know, plus everybody that's part of the foundation, just amazing. They really are the best of the best in this business. I mean, they, they, it's not all about, everything is paranormal. It's about determining what is and really trying to help people. So I came on as a member and after my, I think it was 60 or 90 days, that's like kind of like a probationary period in, in the foundation, they asked me to be the regional director for the Southeast U.S. So I cover everything from West Virginia down to Florida. And we also mix well, in, like I've been on,
0: Dad?
1: Oh, no, you go ahead.
2: Okay. I was saying I also will be called in sometimes if they need an extra person on a case that could be out, you know, in the Midwest or the West. Everybody kind of helps everybody on there. I'm just in charge of that region.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that's amazing that, you know, you're able to come together like that. I know in the paranormal, it is so nice and very helpful to have people you can rely on and trust when investigating. I've said it so many times on my show, but I really do mean it. You know, when you're investigating, it's so much easier and it goes so much better when you have people you can trust, either to help you debunk something or confirm something. You know, when they're telling you like, hey, I had this experience, you can be like, I believe you. And when you're dealing with something like the paranormal where it's, you know, hit or miss, whether there's activity or whether there's activity and you caught it on camera, it's so important to have that trust in people that you feel you can rely on.
2: Yeah. It's great because you have, you do have so many knowledgeable people that, even even in our own personal stuff, when I have a case on my own team, I may contact somebody on there that I know well and say, hey, what do you think about this? Because, you know, I mean, in this field, you're, you're learning every day, you know, and you come across things you've never seen before and you're not sure of. And it, it's good to have. And, and that's for people that need help, it's great because mm-hmm. you have so many knowledgeable people. You know, it, it's tough because – the TV shows, I love the TV shows, you know, they're entertaining and they're fun, but they do confuse people sometimes. And Mm -hmm. teams that have started just from, you know, investigating just from watching TV, sometimes they don't know a lot about going into a person's home and dealing with a real person and their, and their fears and their emotions and everything. So that type of thing is, is, good to have these type of people that have been around a while and and know a little more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As someone who lives in a haunted house, too, you know, I've had people ask me, like, do you do home hauntings? And I always tell people, I personally don't, because I think you really need to have a certain set of life skills that me as a 23-year-old don't have. And you need to have, like, sensitivity, you need to have, you know, things that... I mean, not that I'm not sensitive towards people's situation, but you need to have, like, certain things that you can bond with. Like, I can't relate to a parent who has a child through that. So it's, uh, you know, so important when people are going through home haunting issues that they have someone that understands them and can help them either debunk it or if someone has mental health issues. You know, they have yes. the proper type of care to go through it. It's not just as simple as walking into like Waverly Hills and going and investigating. I mean, these are people's (laughs) real lives you're dealing with.
2: Right. And that's the thing. When I do lectures, I'm at conventions and libraries and schools and everything. It's one of the big things I talk about is the difference between public and, and residential investigator. Anybody could go out and have fun and learn that way in public, but to do residentials, you really need to be with somebody first who knows how to do them because you are dealing with real people, Mm -hmm. you know. And and during the day, like I said, I'm an IT director, but I'm an IT director for a psychiatric drug and alcohol treatment facility. So I've learned over the almost 10 years I've been there a lot about psychiatric illness and how to determine the difference, you know, because you do encounter it a lot. And sometimes it can be both, but it it is important to know that.
1: Yeah, that's actually, you know, sort of a recent discussion, too, I brought up on certain shows, too, is uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they always look at it kind of more black and white. This person either has mental illness or it's actually haunted. But in my case, with my haunted house, my grandfather actually used to live there. My dad's adopted, but his Mm -hmm. adoptive father was a paranoid schizophrenic. And I think there is that gray area where you can also have someone with a mental illness and also dealing with a haunting. So it's so important to have people that can you know, try and differentiate the two, because like you said, there can be both.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and that's the, that's the danger is if say a, a team mm-hmm. goes in and it doesn't know a lot about that and they encounter somebody who maybe is schizophrenic, they, they're going to be told, I hear voices. I, I see things I, and they're not lying because they do with their illness. But if that person yeah then just believes them and just tells them, oh, yes, you you have something in here, you're being haunted, you can severely damage that person. Because your cleansing or whatever you're going to do to help eliminate the paranormal problem is not going to fix that. Mm
3: -hmm. And they're going
2: to be stuck with it, and they're not going to understand. It could make them a lot worse than they
1: are. Yeah, and in my grandfather's case, I never met him, but personally... You know, after living with in the same home he did and the haunting, he was not the ghost that was haunting there. But um, I think right. that, you know, those spirits can also prey upon these people's mental illness and make it, like, exponentially worse for them and just feed into what's already there.
3: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And that's the thing we tell people. Just it's the hardest thing to deal with is when you're talking to a new client. And you have to ask them questions. Like we get very personal with them about, you know, their psychiatric uh, history, if they've had any, if they're, they're what kind of drugs they're taking for things and medications. And and a lot of them don't want to tell you right away because they think if they tell us I was diagnosed with this, that we're just going to say, well, there's your problem. And that's not the mm-hmm. case. And we need to know because it helps us figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that's definitely the right way to go about it. And for people, too, who are currently dealing with home haunting issues, I know you're uh, the regional director for a specific area, but for anyone across the country, where can people reach out for, you know, help with their home haunting issues?
2: Well, there's two places. You can come right to me on, on my team site, uh, persfl.com. And if we can help you, we will. If not, I will push it through to the Warren Foundation. And also, uh, the Warren Files, uh, actually, warrenlegacy.com, they have a form you can fill out there, too. And, again, they cover everything all over the world. We have people in all different countries and, and everybody. I think there's over maybe around 100 people in there right now.
1: Well, I know that's helpful to so many people. And you were also, you know, during that, mentioning the Paranormal Existence Research Society, investigation team. Can you tell the audience, too, a little bit about your team and how that all started for you?
2: Sure. I've been on many teams and worked with people and worked by myself for years and years. And unfortunately, in this industry, there is a little bit of paradrama at times
3: (laughs) within
2: teams. Um, I've always learned a lot from every team or every person I've worked with. You know, there's always something I can take away and, and, and learn from. But around, I think it was around 2014 or 2015, I decided I was going to form my own team. Um, and I went out little by little. I had a few people on my team for a while, and then they moved out of state. And then I started looking around. I'm very picky. I handpick every person. I don't keep a very big team because mm-hmm. – to me, I, we, don't, we don't need a really large team, but I'm right. very picky on the people. It's, it's not about, oh, do you have 30 years' experience like I do? It's, I can teach you how to investigate. It's more about your passion and your personality and, and how you are because, for the most part, we, we really specialize in residential investigation. So I want to know I can trust this person to go into somebody's home and be compassionate and caring and, you know, knows how to work with a person that I can't teach you that you have to have. (laughs) I could teach you how to use equipment. I could teach you how to investigate and what to look for, but that's kind of how I bridge it together with different people. And my team right now, they're, they're fantastic. Everybody on my team is amazing. They all have different, things that they're they're you know good at um, and I, I just think they bring it together real well and uh, just recently um, we started uh, a new branch of our team over in uh, Omaha Nebraska um, is a, a guy I know. Tom Springer who him and his wife are on a team and they decided to leave uh, the team they were on. And we've been talking, I've known them for a while. And they decided to come on board and, and start a branch of, of the team out there so they could cover all around like two to three hours around the Omaha, Nebraska area. So into a few other States there and everything. So again, I don't normally branch out too much, but, they're great investigators, and I want them to have them part of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that you were able to put it together a team like that, especially you know since you hand select them to, you know, specialize in home haunting cases. Um, yes. What through your years of doing home hauntings, what has been the most surprising thing that has happened to you on an investigation?
2: <laughs> There's a lot. Um, <laughs> I've been involved, I've been, you know, I say over 500 cases. I don't really know anymore how many it's been, but um, I've been involved in at least six confirmed uh, demonic cases and Mm -hmm. a bunch of others that was never confirmed, but there's a lot of strange things. I mean, I, you know, I, I always like to tell this story when people ask that. When I first was, like I said, when I first was starting, a lot of people didn't do this. So I used to find people, and we used to go out to local cemeteries and things like that and, you know, play with recorders and, and stuff and try to learn it a little bit. I knew somebody that knew a couple other people that did this, and one night they called me and said, listen, one of our investigators is sick. Do you want to come on a residential investigation? This was in, I think, 90 or 91. I was all excited. I was dying to get on a residential investigation. And all I knew was that the lady in the house, she was experiencing some things, a little poltergeist activity, and she was frightened out of her mind. It was an older lady. And um, I got there, and there was two other investigators. And, you know, back then it was different. One guy had a big shoulder-mounted camera, you know, and uh, and tape decks. Mm -hmm. and, And we went into the house, and literally we walked into the front entranceway and all three of us within one minute turned and ran out of the house and we were all three of us were nauseous or so on the front lawn kind of trying to gather ourselves and you know again I go very scientific so I'm thinking you know she had some kind of carbon monoxide leak or something's going on it was something I never experienced it wasn't really a smell it just made us nauseous so we went back in a little cautious and we didn't we didn't have it anymore so We walked through into the living room, and maybe we were there five minutes. I don't even know. And the guy next to me screamed and threw his camera lens first to the floor. And we flipped the lights on, and he was pulling at his shirt. He pulled his shirt off, and he had three razor scratch marks from his neck to his spine that were bleeding. So it turned out that my first ever residential case was a demonic case, which is very rare to begin with, but it it kind of i think made me realize this is what I want to do if not, I would have run for my life and never come back <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it made me raise a lot it made me raise a lot of questions, like why did it attack him, why did it not attack me? Mm-hmm. These are all the things I've always searched for after after that, you know. Uh, that's why I always had a lot of a lot of questions about things. It, you, things didn't make sense to me, you know. So we uh, just to, we obviously got out of there right away um, at that point, and they got the clergy involved. and It wasn't my case, so I wasn't brought back at the end. But I know they did get the clergy in there, and they did do a, a minor rite of exorcism in the home. And as far as I know, they cleared the home, and everything was good.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to handle, especially for your first residential case. Um, is that typically um, when you do encounter demonic cases in homes, is that typically uh, how you deal with them, is calling the clergy, or is there something else your team also does?
2: Um, most of the time. My, my team itself, we haven't dealt, they haven't dealt with demonic cases. I've done them on my own, and I've been called into some because I've studied a lot of demonology. Um, I can handle mm-hmm. a little bit. But, I, you know, you really need to get the clergy in there, in my opinion, To, if it's, if it's really bad. It, when there's just an infestation, sometimes you can cleanse them out with the right prayers and the right things. But, like, sage, that type of thing doesn't work on demons. <laughs> they are, again, they are very rare. They're rare encounters. But it is better to have the clergy in there to do the full blessing and, and get things out. Um, it's the safest way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good that you have those connections as well for people who are listening and do need help with, you know, either just a bad spirit or a demonic case. Um, I do know we have yes. to take a quick commercial break, though, but we'll be right back with more questions.
3: It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on liveparanormal.com. Our guest today, Bill Slevin. He's Edmar Rain Warren Foundation Southeast Regional Director. He's a, a founder of PERS, the uh, peers' investigation team, and intuitive and inpath Everyone visit PERSFL.com. That's com. Also, Bill Slevin on Facebook and Piers is on Facebook, too, as well. TikTok and Instagram at Paranormal Existence, Twitter at PERS Team And uh, go to the show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. We'll be right back with a late edition of the show. Woo!
2: Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the paranormal rock star, and you're listening to The
0: Ghost Host with the Most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. Hey, this is Rick Hayes, The Psychic Medium, Life Consultant, Author, and Lecturer, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Believe. for joining us on History FM Radio on liveparanormal.com and history.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. I'm Erica Bucciarhaney, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Stay para Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
2: Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files. And you're listening to Ghost <laughs> Host Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
0: I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself all- into your mix of, of voiceovers yeah. now.
1: I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break.
3: It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I'm trying to unmute everybody right now. Bill and Sophia, have you guys unmuted yes. back in? Hey,
1: Bill, thank you again so much for coming on today.
3: Sure. Thank you again for having me.
1: (laughs) Oh, of course. Um, I know we were talking about um, home hauntings and residential cases you've done, but what are some non-residential cases you've done throughout your career as an investigator? Uh, Public stuff?
2: I haven't done as much as I would like to (laughs) because I did spend Mm -hmm. so much time doing residential work, Um, but... Like, down here in Florida, uh, I've done, like, I was even a couple weeks ago, I was at the Riddle House here in in West Palm. Um, I've been up to just about everywhere, up in St. Augustine and Key West. Uh, I'm good friends with David Sloan, that uh, is the doll tender for Robert the Doll, so I love going down and seeing him. (laughs) But... um, I, I, there's a lot of places that we're planning this year. Like I'm hoping to get out to, to Waverly and, and Bobby Mackey's this year, hopefully <laughs> the coming year.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sorry. I was caught off guard by the Robert the doll part. I was like, so you just go visit the doll. I was like, I heard you say it. And I'm just like, okay, so what are, what are your thoughts on Robert the doll? What do you think is going on there?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. Robert, Robert the doll is considered, a lot of people consider him the most haunted doll. And it's, it's not because it's a dangerous doll that goes after everybody, more like, say, like Annabelle or something like that. It, it's just that there are a lot of, you know, myths and beliefs behind it to where mm-hmm. you have to ask permission to take his photo. And what I've learned is everywhere I go and I speak about the paranormal, when I bring up Robert the doll, there is always somebody in the audience that has a personal experience. I mean, and and they're not good. You know, some of them are little things to where we actually had a person come up to us, and and I, I forget if it was the the wife that somebody literally they they took it as a joke, and they didn't ask permission, and on the way home they had a car accident and the person died. So. Is it a coincidence? I don't know, but everywhere I go, somebody has a story about it. So, like, when I go down there and I go in on the tour or I go see him, I am respectful because I've seen enough in my life not to play with something like that. So I will ask permission. I will say hello. I will say goodbye. And, you know, for the most part, I haven't – I don't know anybody personally who has had any problems, but we get them all the time. So – I don't know how to take that if it if it is myth or not but there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who have believed they've been, you know, had a lot of problems because of robbers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to, you know, haunted objects, um specifically dolls, what is your take on them? Why do you think objects become haunted and uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of haunted objects we talk about are like mirrors and dolls and stuff. Do you also feel like any haunted objects you talk about seems to kind of follow that pattern as well?
2: It it does seem to follow that for some reason. I I've, that's one of the questions I've had all my life is you know why is it always dolls and mirrors and you know but technically any item can be can have something attached to it. You know, a spirit can attach to a location, a person, and an item. So it just, Mm -hmm. I don't know why they attach to dolls or why everybody believes dolls are so haunted. Um, I mean, I haven't experienced a ton of haunted dolls in my life. I've experienced a lot of people believing they were. Um, But, yeah, it seems to fall dolls, mirrors. Uh, Mirrors have always been a portal, you know. You look into a mirror, you know, that's the first thing we do when we go into somebody's home. We'll we'll look at everything and how they have things set up. You know, a lot of people don't realize and they have a mirror on one side and a mirror on the other side facing each other, which really you shouldn't do. (laughs) That's just asking for trouble. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I believe they could attach to any type of item.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting um i think old mirrors are creepy i don't know why but that's like one of those things and dolls i don't know if it's just the stigma they have around them or if a lot of them just they're kind of really too creepy um but it's just like one of those interesting things about the paranormal it's just like you know is it because they're such personal objects you know people look into mirrors every day and dolls can usually have some yeah. form of a sentimental value or, you know, does the ghost just be like, hey, this is more close to a person's body and I'll just inhabit it all. I mean, it's just one of those things.
2: Yeah, I believe with the mirrors too, I believe they can, you know, everything is energy. So if you have, just like when you have residual hauntings where, you know, people say, hey, I, every night at 2 o'clock I hear somebody walking up the steps. And that's that energy footprint that maybe somebody who lived there before every day at that time went up those stairs. And that energy footprint stays in the home. So it's the same thing, I believe, with a mirror. You know, if that person is looking in the mirror every day and they're looking at themselves and it's kind of like a self-reflecting thing in the mirror, their energy can easily stay in that mirror.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like there's so much about the paranormal that we won't ever probably figure out. And I think haunted objects (laughs) is one of them. And speaking of, you know, Robert the doll and stuff, um, when it comes to, you know, objects like that, I know you said before people take pictures, they're supposed to ask for permission. But how would someone know, even when they ask for permission, that they've been granted it?
2: (laughs) Well, it's it's not... Too much, everybody always asks that It's not too much uh of yeah. of being told yes or no. It's just more of a respect that's what they say. Mm-hmm. It's respect him. come in, say hello, ask permission, say goodbye you know it's it's more of a respect it's not It's not about like you know <laughs> I heard him say yes if you heard him say yes or, or no, you're on a different level. <laughs>
1: yeah if you told me no, I think I would probably i mean, I'm an investigator, but I'd probably just leave the room. I'd be like, You know what you seem like you're having a day, and I'm just gonna let you have that while I'm in the other room <laughs> exactly
2: exactly you know, you, know, you know what's funny you know what's funny with that is I have a little miniature Robert the doll um and I bring it when I do conventions and stuff, and we were at Megacon in Orlando last year, and i was it was David Sloan who you know takes care of the doll. Um, he posted on my on my page when he saw my setup saying, oh, you know, looks great. And, and I went to take a picture of Robert on on the table and tell him, hey, look who made the trip. And it was the strangest thing. I could not post that photo. I could take a photo of anything else and post it, and it was fine. It would not let me post his photo for some reason. I don't know, again, if it's coincidence or whatever, but It would not let me post a photo. I actually used it in the lecture. I was showing everybody. We were doing a live, and it would not post.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just strange how things like that happen. And, you know, when you go on investigation, taking photographs are so important and stuff, but there's also so many pieces of equipment that have been built just for paranormal purposes. What are your favorite pieces of equipment to use while investigating?
2: Well, Again, since I'm IT, I have a ridiculous amount of equipment. I will try and get just about anything out there just for more for research purposes. I want to see what it does, you know, but I will always go back to audio. EVP audio, Mm -hmm. to me, is the best uh, evidence you could get. You know, it is very hard to capture something on video. People don't realize that. You know, I know everybody wants to go out and they want to capture some kind of shadow figure or ghost going by. It is extremely rare. Audio is just such a great thing. Because to me, you know, you use some of these old recorders, and I even have recorders still that have cassette tapes in them. I bring them out every once in a while. They're fun to play with. But when you capture something on that audio, it's almost no denying it. When When it's a clear voice, to me, the best evidence you could have.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's one of the things about paranormal, like you were saying that people have kind of different opinions on how it works based on TV shows is sorting through evidence Mm -hmm. takes forever. (laughs) It takes like a really long time. And I think people sometimes forget that because, you know, shows are sped up and that's the really nice thing about ghost hunting shows is they'll show you the evidence immediately, but when you're actually out there doing it, it's a lot of patience. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. They don't, people don't realize that, you know, they see, they see, you know, ghost adventures and they're there. It's an hour long show and this happens and that happens and everybody, you know, it, it's, it's constant, but no, I've been to places like we used to go to this abandoned prison in Belle Glade, Florida. It was a 250 acre prison. It was fantastic until they demolished it last year. But, uh in there i mean we've gone and had crazy activity all night and then we've gone there and been there for 4 or 5 hours and captured absolutely nothing and people don't realize mm-hmm. that that happens a lot it's it's not like the shows where every time you go something always happens
1: and, yeah, and you
2: I, know i lose uh, i was going to say i lose okay. a lot of people on these I'm in a lot of these Facebook groups and I try to go in every once in a while and like help educate people and people have questions. and I get a lot of cases through those too because they contact me on the side and they want to know, you know, what's going on with them. But I get just attacked in these groups when I go in and explain to them that their orb photos are dust and bugs and moisture on the lens and things. And people just don't like to hear it. They've been trained by tv and the internet and stuff that you know everything's a ghost and everything's a demon and everything's you know and when you try to tell them and explain why in a nice way they just they they don't they don't like it they actually it's i think people believe now it's cool to be haunted you know they they want to have a ghost
1: yeah i've seen people post on facebook before just in <laughs> i know the many years have been in it like oh man i want to buy a haunted house I'm like why like I don't say anything because it's their life like I do do you but I lived in one and I would not recommend that I definitely don't want that experience ever again
2: well exactly I saw somebody post one time and somebody came in and it was just a a strange photo you know and and somebody came in and said oh my god that's a demon and the guy responded going that would be cool No, it wouldn't. <laughs> Dude, that's where you're saying they're watching too much TV because they, they would not want that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, like, one of those curiosity kind a cat thing because it's, like, I that's not fun. I yeah. don't know. I, I think I, I have more self-preservation than I think some people in the paranormal. Like, I love investigating, <laughs> but, like, I try not to go to places that, like, are, like, bad like I'm not going to go to Goatman Bridge like I have no desire to do that ever Bro. in my life like like, right. I'm just, like you know I'm trying to investigate ghosts talk to spirits learn more about them but also I'm trying not to get haunted so it's like one of those like very delicate <laughs> balances like everyone has a unique skill set in the paranormal and mine's just to like investigate have fun and talk to the ghosts and learn their story
2: yeah, and, and people don't realize that, you know, again, I've been doing it for so long, but when you go looking, sometimes you will find, and it's not always yeah. what people want, and they don't they don't realize, like, I actually had an issue recently from,
0: um,
2: I, didn't, I don't think I even explained to my whole team and everything yet, that when I went to the Riddle House that night, um, I went with another team, uh, War Party Paranormal, who, who brought me in, and uh, I was there with one of my teammates, and we actually caught a crazy EVP that I never heard one like this. It actually talked over the voice of the person asking the question. And it was directed yeah. straight at me because the question was related to me. And it said, he's dead. And I'll tell you for the next week, I wasn't feeling well. I had crazy bad luck of everything going. I had to do an extra like blessing on myself and everything and, and kind of clear it up. So things do happen (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. you know if like i always say if they always say if you go looking you may find it so you have to just always be protected and protect yourself as much as possible because things can follow you and things can affect you
1: yeah absolutely and i think people too um which i've been talking about more because you know living in a haunted house that was i was so young i was between the ages of nine and eleven And it's, like, it really scars you and leaves a a trauma that takes years to try and, like, actually talk about because it's, like, you don't want to tell people, like, hey, I have PTSD from a ghost. Like, a lot of people aren't going to understand that. But, like, when you go through these situations, even when you're not searching it out, like I wasn't, uh, you know, just living in the house that I grew up in, it leaves these like marks on you that even if you're not still being actively haunted you can't escape
2: right right and and doing what i do too like what we do you everything you see you're not going to forget you know people ask me do you remember things i remember especially every evil demonic case i've been on because the stuff on there will definitely scar you <laughs> you will never forget it You know, it's things that you watched on TV and you you never thought were real, and then you saw them live in person, and it will leave a mark on you for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely just one of those things where, I mean, you know, people can do what they want. Some people live with ghosts and they have no problems, and then some people live with ghosts and they have tons of problems. It's just... One of the things <laughs> no, you exactly. have, like, just kind of take it as you go, because much like people, you really don't know what you're going to get. Um, I know we're coming towards yeah. the end of the show, though. I know you've talked about wanting to do more non-residential cases. If you could go anywhere in the world and investigate, where would you go and why?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I, you know... I don't have a specific location, but I want to go over into Europe and go investigate some stuff over there because just because of the history. And, you know, I, again, I don't have a specific location, but I'm actually going uh at the end of the year, I'm going over to Italy for two weeks. So it's for vacation, but I'm definitely going to find some stuff to go investigate while I'm over there. But, uh, I mean, around here, you know, I really want, would love to get into the Winchester house just because Mm -hmm. it's just one of those places that has so much mystery to it. You know, um, it's not a place that everybody investigates in all the time because they don't always allow it. So it's not, you know, like Waverly where everybody's there every other night. You know, I I like to find places that nobody's been to or not too many people know about. I like to go in and, and actually do research and learn, you know, and see what I find and then do the research on the place.
1: For sure. Uh, I actually just had Dakota Laden on last week, and one of the upcoming locations is the Winchester, the Winchester Mystery House, and he said he actually almost fell through the floor. Um, so it's like one of those locations <laughs> I would love to go to, but I'm too accident prone. I think me just going on a normal tour, I would probably somehow get injured.
2: <laughs> yes, that place, that place, you have to really be alert in there. <laughs> There's so much going yeah, on, think- you don't know.
1: Some some of the biggest dangers there aren't even the spirits. definitely just the house.
2: Exactly. Well, when I used to go to that prison up here, again, it was a 250-acre abandoned prison in the middle of the sugar cane fields. And it was not about the spirits. It was about the gangs and all the stuff that hang out in those places and the dangers and, you know, uh, around like environmental dangers, not so much the spirits.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's, like, I think one of the biggest things about the paranormal, too, is just, like, the physical dangers or the things that sometimes get forgotten until you get hit with a rusted piece of metal or you trip. <laughs> I'm sure I would all of all um, but But um, since we are at the end of the show, are there any websites, upcoming interviews, or events you would like to mention?
2: Um, right now, I'm still booking everything out for 2023. But um, I will be at the Sunrise Comic-Con on March 3rd, I believe it is, or March 4th. Um, and then January, I think it's the 14th or the 15th, it's the Fort Lauderdale Comic-Con. I'm a, I'm a guest at those two. Um, right now, that's really all I have set up. Uh, but if you go to my website, persfl.com, we always have everything listed on there of what we're doing and where we're going.
1: Well, Bill, um, there's been like some amazing events you're going to and I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it was great talking to you and getting to hear your stories and you're always welcome back on any in the future.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Yes, thank really. you for having me. Uh yeah, I would I would love to be on again. I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. Between
3: <laughs> sure. like January and March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to promote with you coming up. Thanks so much, Bill.
1: Yeah, thank, thank
3: you. you. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Oh, man, fantastic show today, Sophia.
1: Definitely. Bill was such a great guest. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you, and I will talk to you guys again next, not next week, it's Thanksgiving.
3: So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I will
1: talk to you again after that. Bye.
3: Yeah, and electric red thanks for being in the chat room and chatting away there and it's the ghost host show with sophia temporelli on liveparanormal.com as we welcome today ed moraine warren foundation southeast regional director peers investigation team founder intuitive and empath bill slevin so everyone visit peersfl.com that's actually the best way to get to directly to bill and for people that have a, a need assistance too and they're international too so peers fl.com. That's p e r s f l.com. Coming up, we have Travel Channel's Haunted Hotels paranormal historian and author Sam Baldtrusis. he will be on the program on uh, December 10th. And as we mentioned with Billy, as the event coming up in March, but January upcoming in 2023 as the January uh, Fort Lauderdale Comic Con. So you can see him there. The Ghost Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Happy. Thanksgiving, everybody, next week, and we'll return with uh, Sam Baltruces Sam first week in uh, December as we get back. Thank you very much, everybody.
2: Hi, this is Debbie, as he on Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia
1: Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all.
2: for
0: joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media stop by now and join in on the fun okay round 2 name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah